You're listening to audio from Restoration Church. If you enjoyed the message and would like to get connected with our church, follow us on social media at Restoration Cambridge and our website, restoration-church.ca. Send us a message. We would love to hear from you. In that email that struck me so much when, when she sent me the email, she said, this is literally killing us. And I got thinking about that. What does she mean? It's not like they're dropping down dead because their business goes up. But what does she mean? Like, I think there's something more profound than just air in your lungs, your heart beating. What does she mean by this is actually literally killing us? Because we know what death means, but there's also a present reality that we all live in, that we're all actually held captive by, that no matter what you do, the end game is still the same. And for me, in a very small way, when my key broke in the padlock, as what other people are experiencing to a whole other degree, you get to this sense, it's like, I've tried everything. And what's the point? It all ends in death anyway. No matter how hard I try, no matter how, which move I make on the board, it's checkmate no matter what. I was drawn to a story this week with, man, the, the sense of hopelessness that this would experience in a family. I was drawn to a story because Nikki and I vacation sometimes in, up in Frontenac, north of Kingston. We love that con- part of the country. Um, but I was drawn to a story this week where a three-year-old boy had wandered away from his cabin. And it's just wilderness, like hundreds upon hundreds of acres. There's, no, there's nothing. It's beautiful because I love wilderness. But a three-year-old boy had wandered away from his cabin. And he was gone for three days. There's no chance you're finding that kid. Not a chance. In that wilderness, like the dread and hopelessness, the, like he's gone. It's what every failed marriage, failing marriage goes through. Like no matter what I try, it's going to end up in death. It's what every struggling business goes through. It's what every systemic oppression in society goes through. It's like no matter what I do, it's still there. There's a looming despair. All humanity is held captive by a pathos that's deeply rooted in our souls that no one likes to talk about because it's awkward to talk about, but we all know it's there. We're under a dominion called death. No matter what we do, we're in it. Because of the inevitable checkmate. And I'm reminded, though, of another Sunday morning over 2,000 years ago where they would have got up and said, man, we followed this guy for years. We gave up our families. We, we, we invested in this man. He taught us so much. We fell in love with him, and then he just died. What's the, what was the point of all that? Just ended up in death anyway? Like this man who performed miracles, died, like ended the same way we all are going to anyway. It just ends up in death. What was all of this actually for then? Guys, this is why we believe in the resurrection. Someone saying amen. Like, there's no other, there's no other way. Like, there is hopelessness apart from the resurrection. Amen? Like, that's the, only ho- that's the only chance we've got. And I realize, like, a lot of you probably grew up in church, or if you didn't, you, you probably understand this to a better degree, but we all are kind of used to that word resurrection, but you have to understand how utterly absurd that sounds to people who don't go to church. That someone actually rose from the, like, that's, impo- that's utterly absurd. That is an unbelievable experience. I remember, I, I just talked to someone just this past week about the resurrection, and they just gave me this weird look. Like, like what are you on? Like, what, like this is utterly absurd. Because it is. It's unbelievable. And I, I was, had a question this week for just from in the faith community and just wrestling through their faith. Because it's so Unbelievable. Like what, what difference would the resurrection, what, what difference does the resurrection actually make in the lives of people living in 2021 here in 
postmodern Canada. What difference does it make if Jesus actually rose from the dead or not? Like, we can follow Jesus' ethical teachings. Uh, you know, he had a lot of those. You can go through the Sermon on the Mount. He had a lot of those ethical teachings. We can be a follower of Jesus, but why does it matter if we actually believe in the resurrection or not? Right? Like, why does it matter? Would it actually change anything in your life? What difference would it make? But I think the Bible's really clear. Even Jesus himself is really clear. And you could probably... You probably sense that I'm talking really fast because this is a short service. We have another service after this. This is going to be the shortest sermon I've ever preached in my life. But the resurrection is the core belief that we stand upon. That's what our faith is. There's a lot of things we can squabble and disagree about, but the resurrection is not one of those things. Like This is the key core belief that we have as Christians. Acts 4, 33, when the church is just starting out in, in the world, it says that full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. I love that. They're generous. They love each other. They're living. Like, it's an amazing, this community. But that wasn't the reason why. The reason why is with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to what? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Like that was the reason why they were generous. That was the reason why they were actually leaving their homes and living together and sharing everything in common because of the experience of the resurrection. That's what changed everything. They were testifying to the resurrection. It fueled their generosity and energized their lifestyle. Even more starkly, Philippians 4, verse 8 to 11, a dude named Paul who was against Christians, who was against the church, then got saved. He says this, I... Whatever gain I had, anything I had before, I count as loss. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Basically, I don't care about anything else except this, that I may know him and the power of what? His resurrection. Like that was it. That was what his whole life stood upon. If the resurrection doesn't exist, why does it matter anyway? I'm, I'm counting everything else as loss but knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and the power of his resurrection. To lose everything, nothing else mattered apart from the resurrection. So let's, let's just assume Paul's nuts too, okay? Just like me when I talk about the resurrection, let's, let's just assume Paul is nuts as well. And the early church was, was off the rocker. Jesus himself, before he actually is raised from the dead, before there's a claim in the Bible, says something crazy. Jesus himself in John 11, there's this scene of death. There's three people named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, friends, of Jesus. Close friends, personal friends. And Lazarus, whatever it was, fell ill. Deathly ill. And Jesus arrives too late. Lazarus is, Lazarus is dead. And Martha runs out to Jesus and she says, if you'd been here, miracle worker, my brother would, wouldn't, wouldn't have died. And Jesus says something crazy. Your brother will rise again. Now she understood that to mean something different than what Jesus meant. Because she says back to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That's not what Jesus meant, though. He meant something very different. It's actually really interesting if you look into the Old Testament, what the, what the Jewish people believed about what was true about the afterlife, what was true about life and death and eternal life and eternal death. There was something called Sheol, which sometimes we as Christians just replace the word hell. That's not what Sheol meant. Sheol meant the, some shadowy, unknown existence after, after what life this was. Psalm 88 says, my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. Get this, this is a depressing passage in Job 14. And some of you know what Job went through. It says, for there's hope for a tree 
If it be cut down, it's going to sprout again, and its shoots will not cease, though its root grow old in the earth, its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. So there's hope for a tree. It will be replanted and regrow. But in verse 10, a man dies and is laid low. A man breathes his last, and where is he? Like, there's no hope for him. Like, that's what they viewed Sheol as. And there was a tradition called, if you recognize the name, Sadducees throughout the New Testament that believed the same thing. There is no, there's nothing after this. This is it. However, there are shades of hope all through the Bible of something that was to come. Psalm 73 says, Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. So there's some shades of hope of what was to come. And many Jews believed that there was something coming. And apparently Martha did too, that there was a resurrection at some point after this. There's got to be something there. But Jesus says something even more absurd than that. He doesn't say, I perform resurrections. He doesn't say there's going to be a resurrection. Don't worry about it. What does he say? I am the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and the life. It doesn't mean just you're going to, at some point in your life, after you die, you're going to float around in heaven somewhere. Here's the hope of the, re- the resurrection that we have, okay? That Jesus actually rose from the dead. This is what he means. The resurrection is a promise of the restoration of all things. If the resurrection doesn't happen, if there's no victory over death, no matter what we do, all, nothing, is, nothing will be restored. It's stuck under the dominion of death. See, back in creation, God and people were in communion with each other, right? There's perfect harmony. We call that life. Jesus even says himself in John 17, this is what life is. Not that you're just going to live forever. This is eternal life. You know, what he, you know what he defines eternal life as? That you know God. That there's harmony between you and God and you experience life the way it was intended to be in creation. That, that, that's what eternal life is. That's the way life was meant to be lived. There was love and joy and peace that was lived out in this world. That's what we, the Bible defines actually as life. And then death says this, because as God said to those, the first humans, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, they ate of it. Did they drop dead? No, they experienced something much worse than that. It was the corruption of all things. That life that they held so dearly now was completely corrupted in every sphere down to their very soul. And instead of love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, there was hostility, disease, hunger, greed. And the list goes on and on and on. All because now death was actually the one in authority. And there was no escaping it. Man, what kind of dread does that fill your heart with, right? Like, what's the point then? Why even try? Man, I felt like that in some situations. <laughs> I remember when Nikki and I were really struggling early on in our marriage. When we, would fight, when we would fight every single day, two big personalities now all of a sudden living together and having to get along, like we fought every single day. And there was a lot of times both of us were like, what's the point? Like we can't get this right. It's just failure every single time. Man, and like during the pandemic, like all these struggling businesses, open up patios and like do all these things to try to make it work. And then like, what is the point? We've tried everything. It's just checkmate. Dem- the dominion is still death. 
And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say that not that he just, now I can perform miracles, but that in Jesus, the dominion of death has been broken. That he embraces, get this about Jesus. This is, what, this is the life of Jesus. Jesus embraced humanity in its totality, became like one of us in his incarnation, led away to die, and you think, look, see, there's no escaping it. Death still has dominion, but it's the resurrection that now says death doesn't have dominion anymore. And that's why 1 Corinthians says, oh, death, where's your sting? Hell, where's your victory? It doesn't exist anymore because Jesus conquered it. And those who believe in him, it says, will never die. The victory is now Jesus and the restoration of life in its totality. You know what that does? It speaks actual hope into a broken marriage. That it can be restored because Jesus rose from the grave. An addicted soul. A broken family. Of course, a broken city. There's actually hope when it seems very hopeless. Though they die, yet they will live. Just as death could not hold Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, it cannot hold you either. And that gives us much hope. I love Ephesians 1. I'm just going to close with this, and we're going to close with communion. Paul prays. There was a beep on the door. Is someone trying to get in? Never mind. We're good. There was a beep at, uh, what am I saying now? Now I have the beep on the door in my head. Um, I love the prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 1. This is for the church in, in the city of Ephesus when he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is hope. And the reason is because of the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he, what? Raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That little kid who was gone in Frontenac County, they searched everywhere for three days and search and rescue gave up, I think, if I read the story correctly. There was a man in his, who was a volunteer in his mid-50s, I think, and didn't give up hope. Went out, boy was lost on Saturday. Went out the next Wednesday morning. You think there's no chance? Three-year-old kid in, in a wilderness for three, like more than three days? We're just wandering around the wilderness, not giving up hope. Sees a little flash of blue in the bushes. And walks up and there's a little three-year-old boy just asleep on the ground. In the middle of like five kilometers from that cabin where they were five kilometers a three-year-old kid just other than dehydrated completely fine if that man gave up hope that kid's lost guys the resurrection that gives us hope to fuel the good things that we do in this world man what is more relevant than that in a hopeless world right now man jesus raising from the dead makes all the difference for us as christians and how we live and operate in this world and if they don't see hope in us they're not going to see it anywhere